Welcome everyone to the Habitation Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I have one of my dearest friends in the world, Eric Gilmore with us. Um, Eric has had such a profound impact on my life. In uh, 2017, December, I kind of, I, I'd known you for a very long time, but um, started listening to you and and it really had an amazing impact on me. Dr- drove me to the secret place. I realized that I was uh, serving ministry more than loving the Lord. And you helped me see that in an amazing way. And it it's absolutely impacted, of course, me, but not only me, our community here at Risen Nation. And um, in, in many ways, we are fruit of your ministry. And so we honor you. Thank you so much for being with us. Brother, joy is all mine. And I can say the same things about you. The revelation of the word that you carry, your heart of worship, Davidic worship moves me, man, challenges me, stirs me. So it's mutual, man. Amen. Thank you, bro. Well, Eric is a huge part of Habitation. He's uh, a huge part of School of Habitation starting in January. He'll be with us January 20th through 22nd uh, here at Risen Nation, and we're going to have a wild time. Uh, We encourage you to still sign up, although you might see on the website sold out. We do have rooms room in our overflow and there's always a percentage usually of no show so we'll put we have a big lobby we'll put people in the lobby on the floor we'll do whatever we ever we have to do but make sure you register for that but before we begin eric i wanted you to tell us a little bit our community loves you here i want them to be connected and involved in what you're doing would you tell us a little bit about sonship but also this mentorship uh, program that you recently started Yeah, so Sonship is the ministry God moved me and my wife to start. It is to bring the church into a deeper awareness experience of God's presence in their daily lives. That's the whole goal through the Word of God, through worship. But we did start a mentoring group on Tuesday nights. It's on Zoom, and it's for our patrons. And it has been just amazing. We went through every verse of Psalm 119, took 22 hours. We've had special guests on like yourself who they loved so much. And I want to schedule you again for this next year. I had such a good time. It's it's such a wonderful platform. We interact with them. There's Q&A, wait on the Lord together, look at the scriptures. But now we're going through Song of Solomon verse by verse. And I'm excited about it. So how would they sign up for that? How would people get involved in that? Yeah. Um, so it's a, through the Patreon app. So if, if you just put in Patreon, it's actually spelled patreon.com backslash Eric Gilmore. That's my, my, my uh, page. And then you can sign up there. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. I want people to, to be a part of that. Um, and it was a, a, an amazing group, but at least when I did it there, the, the questions, it feels almost like a classroom just virtually, but it was pretty cool. So make sure you get, you guys get connected to that if you're listening. Um, but bro, I've had this, this scripture on my mind and I thought who better to talk about this with, with Eric. And if you know anything about Eric and I, um, I, I I love preaching with you. I love being a part of conferences, but my favorite moments that are so rich that I treasure the most is when you and I just talk and have conversations. Every single time I see Eric, I bring my Bible and I bring something to take notes with because you just drop stuff. And, uh, and we always find a way where every time I leave, I feel like all I want to do is run to my, my room and be with the Lord. But, I feel the same exact way with you. <laughs> bro, I feel it right now. I, I feel the Lord already. We haven't even started talking about anything. So um, 2 Corinthians 11, uh, 2 through 3, it says this. For I feel divine jealousy for you, 
Wow. Since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Mm. But I am afraid <laughs> that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will lead astray from a sincere and pure devotion, or the New King James says, and I'm reading out of ESV, but the New King James, I like it a little better. It says the simplicity that is in Christ. I want you to break this down for us. And um, and my heart is to lead, you know, to this this cry of habitation that, you know, we're having you come to. But the element that I feel like you bring, and not just herald, but model in such an amazing way is this right here. So Talk to us a little bit about the simplicity that's in the Christ. Yeah, it's interesting that simplicity and purity are connected here. Yeah, bro. Which which bro. shows, we, you and I have talked about this before, simplicity and purity are so intertwined that once it's no longer simple, then it's no longer pure. The, the impurity is the additions. We want to put things on top of Christ, adding to uh -oh. him, and that takes away the purity of this whole thing. It must be from Christ to Christ through Christ. This is the only thing that brings glory to God. I mean, God shakes the sky with a, a voice that says, this is my son. Listen to him. This is the simplicity of it all, that Christ has come, Christ has won, and I submit to that king and his spirit i remember reading john wesley said abandon everything that is not the merit of jesus christ and the yielding to his spirit so go ahead and throw out everything that isn't the merit of christ and the yielding to his spirit so i look at this verse and i see the sole legitimate fear because paul says he says i i fear that's interesting i'm afraid and now we, we don't tolerate fear in our lives at all, but this yeah. one is legitimate. Yeah. And is this, that they would add to Christ. And this is a deception. It says here, deceived. And the, the crazy thing about deception is that you don't actually know you're deceived. Yeah. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of the gospel to clear the deck and bring everything back to its center and source, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the gospel is the eyeball with which we look upon Christ. And so I feel like he's jealous for the gospel. I remember reading Charles Spurgeon said, the most important daily habit a Christian can possess is to remind himself of the gospel. And so Paul, it seems like in all his letters, we've talked about this before as well, he, his antidote for all the situations he encounters is the gospel see Jesus, look at Jesus, what he's done, who he is, his spirit, his reign, his rule, him. And I think that's the essence of, of this whole thing. Have you found in your life that this is constantly under attack in some form or fashion? Absolutely. I was actually just about to ask you, like, especially in the context of what we're doing here, what I do as a leader um, of this that God has given you, I find that in my life, the constant attack is like a husband and wife, which it starts out by saying, I betrothed you to one husband, mm. but a husband and wife have intimacy. <laughs> and, and, and when you first get married, I mean, maybe some are like, I want to have kids right away. But usually <laughs> you're like, I just want to be intimate with the one God's given me. 
you know? And I think it's a beautiful picture of Christ, but then you have kids. My wife and I have three, we have one on the way. And it's so easy and subtle to get caught in the snare of trying to manage uh, the blessing that came from intimacy. And in your managing of the blessing, it's like you forget about the intimacy that brought the blessing. And we add additions with, it's like we add and we cheat on God with things that God himself gave us. Mm -hmm. And I, I really, um, I think it's, it's a good warning for leaders and why I, I just feel like you're the perfect person to talk about this because I've noticed that whenever I've heard you or whenever I get around you, I leave going, what additions have I made in my life? And I have, and, and to be honest, to be real, there's always things, there's always things in my life that I can go, okay, that, that needs to fall. That, and it's usually good things. It's not, it's not like, you know, sin and, and all these things constantly. It, it's, it's things that you would think you're doing for him, but you're just kind of adding to him. And, uh, and so my, my, so yes, the answer is yes. I find this is a constant thing I have to overcome and constantly turning my gaze back to the gospel, back to the Lord. Um, but what would be a warning in a sense that you would give leaders that you would give me in, in leading a church or having event, how, what would you say to us and how do we practically stay simple and pure? Well, first of all, I, I don't really have any admonitions for you. Because you <laughs> Correct me, Eric. Correct. Me. <laughs> you're walking this thing out so well, man. I, uh, I would I'm trying. I would say that one of the things that, are especial to see in the way that you run things over there is the team. Your team is very special. Uh, you have a crew. It's like a family. Uh, and I know, I know the whole church is a family, but there's almost a family within the family that kind of sustains the whole family. And that's one of the things I really love about how you're doing things over there. Uh, but also the way you guys emphasize his presence, just his presence, his person. You guys are like a laser beam and it really moves me. Every time I go there, I'm blessed. I get touched. I'm refreshed. And I would, I would first off, first of all, start off by saying you guys are nailing the bullseye, <laughs> but I would say for um, most ministers fall into this trap and i myself has fallen into this many times uh, in song of solomon you've read this many times but it says this that they made me caretaker of the vineyards but i have not taken care of my own vineyard so she mm. um had cared for other vineyards but yet neglected wow. her own vineyard and and when we have an imagery like this we see that when you don't take care of your vineyard two things happen one uh weeds and two lack of fruit and so when we stop tending to this intimate place the garden of god which is our communion with the lord these weeds start growing and they look like fear doubt unbelief lies these things start growing up and getting bigger and bigger and then fruit stops being formed form which is joy and peace and yeah. fulfillment satisfaction so i would say these two things start happening when we neglect our own vineyard and i think one of the things we are told in the scriptures over and over again is that the work of the lord sometimes takes the place of the lord of the work 
and this is very scary because you can flow on the anointing. You can ride on the anointing. Yeah. You can uh, prepare things and get out in front of the people and God will move for the sake of the people. But when the heart is vulnerable enough to look directly into the eyes of our savior, then that's when the heart is exposed for what it really is. Where is it really at? There's been times I've sat in this room and I've prayed and I prayed and, you know, I felt the presence of the Lord and things, but I didn't yet actually open my heart to the Lord and, and, and look at the Lord like this, like looking at the Lord with my heart and say, oh, Lord, this is what's really going on. This is really where I'm at in my heart. Please help me. You know, that kind of thing. Because I think the outward sometimes can replace yeah. that real vulnerable, intimate place. So I, that all this to say, we must take care of our vineyards because if we don't. Weeds will grow. Fruit will be lacking. How do we take care of our vineyards? I really feel like the root is vulnerability before God. Lord, here's what's really going on. Not being afraid to say things like this. Lord, my heart is hard and my prayers are cold. My eyes are dry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My, my heart is, is not wanting you like it used to. Yeah. I need help, Jesus. Help me. That kind of talk with the Lord, that vulnerability, this is what keeps the vineyard. Because when you get into the keeping of the vineyard, you got to get into the ground. You know, you yeah. got to till the ground up. You got to get in there and, and open up honesty, you know. And, and I think sometimes we look in the Lord's direction and don't look at the Lord. And that's really where the problem wow. is. Um, yeah, you've, you've been married a while now. You know, there's times where you guys just do life. And you, you yeah. say, I love you. And you're, you are tender with each other, but sometimes you got to grab her in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like turn her to face you in the eyes. And you just say, you know, I love you with my whole soul. You're my girl. You know what I mean? Like really look at her. Or you, you guys are laying there in bed at night and you look at her and you say, I got I to gotta talk to you about some stuff. I got to open my heart to you and tell you what's really been going on. Or maybe your spouse has looked at you before and said, tell me what's going on. I can see it in your eyes. I think yeah. that's the key. So intentionality and vulnerability. I would say for me, it really helps. Yeah. Um, I, bro, I mean, right to what you're saying, what I started out talking about, and it was right after this, God led me to, to you in a sense of, it was almost like the Lord was like, this is what you're longing for. And in 2000, so December, I remember driving home. I remember the street I was on. And for so long in my life, in my prayer life, I was afraid. It wasn't that I was afraid to be honest with God, but I was afraid to be vulnerable because I felt like asking God like this question would almost be like out of the fear of the Lord or something weird like that. It's the only way I can describe it. And so I came, to, I was in my car and I mean, I would wake up and pray every day. I was praying for people on the streets every day, seeing people heal. I mean, I'm doing the stuff, but I felt so empty and cold in my heart. And I remember going to the Lord on in my car and saying, Lord, I feel like I don't even know how to talk to you. And I've been wow. doing, I don't know how to pray. I don't know. I don't feel you the way I want to. Like I'm tired of only feeling you 
when I'm in public. I, I don't, I, I'm dry in private. And I remember mm-hmm. hearing the Lord speak to me and I didn't even think about, you know, the one question, the disciples, they didn't say, teach us how to heal, teach us how to raise the dead, teach us how to cast out devils. They said, teach us how to talk to you, <laughs> teach us how to pray. And so I didn't, I wasn't thinking like this revelatory thing at that time. I'm genuinely like, I don't know how to talk to God. And I remember hearing the whisper of the Lord say, now you're asking me the right question. And bro, as God is my witness, it was like he sat in my front seat is how real he got all of a sudden. I drove home fast. I sped, I broke a law. It doesn't make sense. He's sitting in my seat. I'm speeding. And, And I ran to my room and I wept and I landed on Psalms 91. Those that dwell in the secret place. And that word dwell is those that marry him in secret. Abide, they'll stay forever under his shadow. And I I saw, I think you posted this the other day about a shadow is seen and and felt how much more, you know, the shadow of the almighty is seen and felt. And it was right in that season, I started, you know, listening to you. And it was almost like you ruined my religiosity in my prayer life. Because, uh-huh. because I found that I, all I was doing was repetitious. I had a great mm-hmm. prayer list. And I realized like when I threw it all out and I could sit there in silence for an hour yes. and get more out of the silence with God than I ever got with the thousand words. And it was almost wow. like I found rest in that vulnerability and just being an ask and being honest with God of my heart is cold and I don't <laughs> know what to do. Um, but I think this goes with how we determine success in the kingdom. So that would be my next question is, what is success? Well, if I look at the scriptures, I see that Jesus came and died to get me. Like the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. So this is his goal. So it should be mine to be God's. In other words, not to be a God, but to be God's possession. Yeah, to be His, yeah. To be completely His. I wrote a quote down one day, and I said, God has made me His house. What else do I need? (laughs) What else? He he lives, God lives in me. What other validation do I need? What other, you know, what do I need from people? I have Him. I feel like that's the goal of the gospel is for man and God to be reconciled. I, I wrote this down one day in my journal. The reconciliation is the restoration of God and man finding their pleasure in each other. Oh, that's the, beautiful. The reconciliation is the restoration of God and man finding their pleasure in one another. And I, whatever people think about the Westminster Confession, but they the, the chief end of man is to glorify God. By finding pleasure in him or worship him forever or enjoying him forever, I would say success is enjoying God. I remember a friend of mine asked me a question. He said, uh, how do I know if I'm growing in the Lord? And my answer to him was immediate, just came off my tongue. And it was, how much do you enjoy him? That's beautiful. The, man. the more we enjoy the Lord, the more we become like the Lord. It is in that fellowship with the Lord, we enjoy the riches of divine life. So I would say this is success. In an individual's life, communion enjoyed with God, mm-hmm. the enjoyment of your God. But in a whole, as a congregation, I would say the glory of God in that congregation is realized in a unified enjoyment of God. <laughs> so good. And not just the enjoyment of God 
though this is the highest thing, in worship and in the Word, but the enjoyment of God in each other, like you and I are doing right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying God through you. You're wow. enjoying God through me. That's so powerful. This is, wow. This is a success. That's so good. I used to preach to see miracles, signs, <laughs> wonders. And I'll tell you the most fulfilling thing outside of my personal relationship with God is longing to be, and of course my family, but but longing to be a man that after I'm done speaking, the testimony is I had to go be with him. <laughs> and and that's that of course is is the epitome of your life. But I wanted to ask you, you know, as you're talking about success and and people are longing for what you're talking about. Like they they're longing to love him. Uh, but there's many distractions, many additions, many go to the secret place out of obligation rather than enjoyment. Yeah. Um, but how did how did you get here? Like, were you always someone that just got this, or did you, like me, kind of find yourself in works in ministry? And one day the Lord just gave you this revelation about the simplicity of Christ. Well, I would say I'm still learning it. Yeah. And I'm I'm still in the midst of walking this every day, you know, and I, I fail a lot in my life. I, I fall short a lot in my life. It seems to be, it's always been that way from the beginning. It's like, I think it is with all of us. Yeah. <laughs> in this, you know, yeah. I feel like a toddler still, you know, and I'm like, you know, it's dependence upon the Lord, but I was born again in a u- unique way in the Brownsville revival is presence driven tangibility of God. And so that was really special for me. And it became easy because of that. It wasn't anything I earned or anything I did. It was the grace and mercy of God to birth me in a, in a place that had manifest presence. And so that became my marker as Leonard Ravenhill said, if you're born in the fire, you're never satisfied with the smoke. So I was born in the fire, praise God. And I love, I love that because it made me cling to the reality of the person of the Lord, yeah. uh, not just, not just uh, scriptural truths and not just rituals and ceremonies and songs and sounds and making sounds and songs, but heart experience. Yeah. That was the core. And I have tried to stay there um, since I found him there. Um, I remember Charles Spurgeon wrote, look for a thing where you left it. (laughs) So he says, if you lost the Lord, his presence from neglecting the word, then then run to his statutes. If you lost the Lord by lack of worship in your heart, then fall to your knees. If you lost the Lord by neglect of prayer, then come to him. You know, so look for a thing where you left it. Um, Hold on. Hold on. That is like... <laughs> so, could you, if you could, could you repeat that again? I feel like that is, it's piercing my heart. I know it's going to pierce people watching this. Just say that whole thing again. That was unbelievable. Well, well the, the Charles Spurgeon quote is look for a thing where you left it. And he's, he's trying to say, wherever you lost the Lord, the, the sense of his presence, if you, if you lost it by neglect of the word, then run to his statutes 
you know, if you if you lost it by neglect of worship, genuine adoration, then fall to your knees. You know, if you lost him by neglect of prayer, then come to him. He wait, he's waiting for you. Uh, so these things, it, I find I have to go there all the time. I have to look for him where I left him. Um, if I find the, the reality of his presence is not as rich, my desires are waning. I go look for a thing where I left it. Man, bro, I feel a Lord all of a sudden. Me too, man. Me too. We got to go look for the thing where we left it. If we've neglected him in the word, if we've neglected him with heart worship, if we've neglected him in prayer, go look for him. He waits for you in the garden. Remember in Song of Solomon, um, she, she, <laughs> she wants to know where to find him. And he's in the garden. He's in the garden. I'm like, this is where he is. He's waiting for you in the place of communion. Uh, sometimes we beat ourselves up. We condemn ourselves. We missed communion. We've missed so much communion. We failed in this area. How could I return? And the reality is, is he is exactly where he was. I remember the Lord said to me one day when my heart was really backsliding. Um, and he said to me, if you're looking for me, I'm right where I was when you first found me. <laughs> It really moved my heart. Um, so, man, maybe there's somebody listening right now, and their heart has grown cold, and they know it. Yeah. And the word is not calling to them anymore. They, they're not eating the scriptures like golden apples. Their worship is just kind of stale in their hearts. Their prayer life is is not that thing that draws them above all that. Maybe other desires have come in. And, and, and stolen away first place. I, mean, I, I just want to say to every hearer, if you're looking for him, he is, he is right where he was when you first found him. Right there in the gospel. Return to the Lord right in the gospel. Bow your knee right there where you first met him. So here I am, Lord. I give up my life to you, and I am deeply in need of you. Come, draw me, Lord, draw me. Praise God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about just how, how precious he is that you remember in Revelation, they, they kick him out in a sense. And he says, I'm knocking on the door that I might come in and dine with you again. I often think to myself, and I really feel this like too, like there, there really is, I think there's many watching that in your heart, you feel this place of you're longing, but you don't know how to get there. Um, but the, here's the beautiful thing about the Lord that I find is that he didn't walk away from the door. I mean, you yeah. think about they kick him out of the church or they kick you kick him out of your heart in a sense. He turns right back around and starts knocking again and how he won't give up on us and he won't and his love, you know, like we love him because he first loved us and i mean this is this is the essence of the gospel of yeah god put on flesh i mean god literally put on flesh because he couldn't stand to be apart from you and wow. he restored us to oneness again and so there there's something there's something about i think we have in our generation so easily got caught in the snare of defining success according to the world that ministry and church and Christianity has adopted. When success is, uh, you know, the Song of Solomon, 
I think it's three, four, you know, I found the one in whom my soul loves. <laughs> I held him and I won't let him go, you know, but just, I, 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 <laughs> I don't know if we're gonna be able to finish this podcast. Um, <laughs> but I, th- there's like, how, how do you, how do you describe to someone like, what is it that causes you to keep coming back? I, I don't know. I like, I don't know how to word this. Hmm. Other than asking, like, why do you love him the way that you do? I see the answer to that question in Psalms. We see in all the Psalms David wrote, he comes to the Lord for several different reasons. One, dependency. I need you so bad, God. Two, turmoil. But three, delight and enjoyment. Yeah. What does he say? Uh, under the shadow of your wings, I rejoice. He he finds great joy in the presence of the Lord. But he's also always under attack, always surrounded by problems. And this drives him to the Lord. I remember Abraham Lincoln actually said, I'm, I've been driven to my knees by the overwhelming conviction. I have nowhere else to go. David constantly finds himself in that place. But he's also just dependent upon the Lord, period. Not just dependent for deliverance in a situation. He's so dependent upon God for righteousness, for being able to... He even says things like, and you've read this many times, turn my eyes from vain things. I need you to do this work in me. And I think when we have these three things constantly in our hearts, it, it keeps us continually coming to Him. One... I need you, ba- I need you bad, Lord. I need you because I know what I am apart from you. Jesus is, it swings strong statements about what we are apart from him. One of them is you have no life in yourselves. That's pretty strong. Yeah. Another one, Jesus <laughs> says, apart from me, you can do no thing. So <laughs> these are very strong. Clear. Yeah. David believes this stuff. So he runs to his God. He is dependent upon his God. Even in Song of Solomon, you see she is so dependent upon her beloved that when she comes out of the wilderness leaning on him, they don't even recognize her anymore. They say, who is this coming up from the wilderness leaning on her beloved? I think there's a transfiguration that takes place in the heart when it finds dependency upon dependency you and i would say this to the day we die we never graduate from dependency that's right i I find that religion though is the opposite it Mm. it builds up its own strength in its it, it even it even in a sense puts confidence in its history with god in a sense yeah yeah. And I think that, that's even, we should have a history with God and we can refer to the history with God and remember what he's done and remember what he's like. But even our history with God doesn't qualify us to come to God. Mm-hmm. We only come to God because of the gospel, Christ alone. So I would say this dependency is very important. And um, some people will build up this resume in their hearts. I remember Charles Spurgeon once wrote, some men fast from food and gorge on pride. And I find that that's I've seen that. happening. Yeah, yeah, I've, seen uh, that. I've done it My myself. Life, yeah, yeah. Um, but we we love to fall into that Galatians mentality where we want to add to Christ, or we fall into the Athenian 
mentality, which is something new. Give me something new. And so these kinds of things rob us of that dependency, which is, Lord, I need you to even want you. I need you to love you. I need you to keep me, Lord. I cannot even keep myself. So that's very important. And then also the trials of life. Uh, We're all going through them. We will not have a life without trial, especially if we want to live faithful to God. We're going to be opposed by the enemy. Um, And then thirdly, the highest delight we know is spending time with him whom our soul loves, as David Brainerd penned so well, while he's bleeding from his mouth because of tuberculosis, busting up inside of his, probably with a red smile. He grabs his pen and he says, an hour with God infinitely excels all the pleasures and delights of this lower world. This is beautiful to me. Or or Samuel Rutherford with chains on, he dies in prison. And he says things like this. He says, this prison is a palace to me. (laughs) So all this to say, the highest delight known to man should pull us into the closet. The anxieties of life should cause us to run to him who is our refuge. And thirdly, we need to live dependent upon God. That's so beautiful. So beautiful. I need you to lay hands on me so I remember quotes like you. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it in my life. But I think the key to what you're saying is that what feels like overcoming of trial and this dependent place is how we break through into delight. You know, oftentimes... <laughs> People always ask, I've had a lot of people ask me before, you know, you preach, you see this, this idea and, and, you know, Jesus even talks about it like this cost, this cost, this cost. And I think if we have to ask ourselves, what is the reward? We haven't tasted and seen him. Wow. And, and it's like how, if somebody was to ask me, what is love? How there's, how do I describe what I feel toward my wife or my kids or like, how do I describe what I feel toward God? It's something that is beyond words. You have to experience it. It's it's not just like, well, I provide, well, I do the, no, these are manifestations of love, but not the essence of love itself because God is love, First John 4, 8. And so it's about the experience of his person, but this constant, like Psalms 5, as you were talking, kept thinking about, David makes this statement. He says, I bring my daily sacrifice to you and I watch. I love the the passion. It says like this, I bring the pieces of my life mm. before God every day and I sit there and watch. <laughs> and I think if we're just willing to make the commitment that if I don't feel it at all, I'm going to come to you continually until you break through and I do, until you yeah. break through and my delight all of a sudden is found in you. But it's hard to put into words. And I could tell you, I, I used to be the obligation works guy. And wow. when 2017, when that hit my heart, and again, I constantly have to go back. That's why that meant so much to me about what you said, go back to where you left him. Because I feel like in a way I'm constantly having to do that. Like yeah. just because we're on stage or on a video doesn't mean that we are in any way immune to this like it's constant for me having to go back having to go back just with the daily cares of this life that try to choke out like the word tells us his his voice and his presence but i found that after 2017 i started because of what i was encountering in my closet i was going to bed like a kid on christmas eve (laughs) 
every night and I had never experienced that before. And I can determine where I am in my life based on how I go to bed at night. And if I don't go to bed, like excited to spend time with him, I really got to start going, where did I, where did I leave? Like, where did I leave him? And so I really, it's like so hard because some people are like, give it to me practical. And I'm like, but it's, it's be, how do you make love practical? You know? So Eric, this is like, I feel like helping it's helping me. I know that it's helping so many that, um, that have this longing in their heart. And I think that the whole emphasis of today is be vulnerable and be dependent. You know, Matthew 21, Jesus makes a profound statement, you know, uh, repeating the psalmist. And he says, out of the mouth of nursing infants and babes, he has Mm. perfected praise, which praise in Greek is also he's perfected worship. So our adoration, like the purest form of adoration is dependency according, according to Christ. And so as long as you remain dependent, which might feel like I've got nowhere else to turn, I am insufficient in myself. You're set up, perf- mm-hmm. you're set up perfectly, and so we just we want to encourage you, especially leaders watching, um, just stay dependent. And if you don't have it figured out, I-, I think you're actually set up in a perfect place to go, Lord, I need you. And God goes, That's what I've been longing for. Is that heart right there? So, bro, we love you. Last question. We have you, at ha- and then I'm gonna have you pray for us, but we have you come into habitation per usual. You have become a a, a voice, really a, a foundational voice in our community. Um, and again, the premise of habitation is not to just become another event or another movement. Our heart right. is Revelation 21. We wanna hear a voice. I want to hear in my generation, <laughs> a voice saying that God and man have tabernacled together. and this desire to simply become one with him of course individually but also corporately as a people and so could you just tell us why you feel uh it's important i've been asking everyone that's speaking at it why do you feel it's important that that people come and attend a habitation with us there's a quote from samuel rutherford he says talking of ichabod he says the god of israel is leaving and he turns over his shoulder to see if anyone would say, oh Lord, please stay. I think that habitation is a group wow. of people in the midst of a Ichabod generation that is saying, oh Lord, please don't go. Please stay. Stay here with us. We will love you. We will give you first place. You have our hearts. You have the throne here. We worship you. I think that's the essence of what habitation is in this dark time that we're living in. It is a people saying, you have a home here with us, Lord. Uh, Make us your home and we'll make our home in you. Perfectly said. That was amazing, man. (laughs) You choke me up every time. Bro, would you you pray for us? And, And I really specifically feel just if you could even while you're praying, pray specifically just for leaders and, and pastors that that have this longing in their heart. Yeah, Father, how we need you. Oh, Lord, show us where we've lost the reality of our depravity. Show us where we have tried to scrape along in our own strength and remind us that it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by your spirit. Thank you, Lord. Lord, bring us to a deeper 
dependency, all of us, every leader listening, every itinerant minister listening, every mom at home, every father who's providing for his family. God, we look to you and say, please help us, help us, show us the grandness and greatness of you, which will cause us to fall down and say, oh, who is adequate of these things? But God shall make us adequate. We look to you and we ask that you would give us the grace to abandon everything that is not the merit of your son and yielding to your spirit and your precious name. God, if anything happens from this broadcast, let it be that each one of us fall to our knees and say, Lord, we cannot, but you are. You are wonderful. Yes, God. Show us this dependence place and help us to live there. Even as one of my friends likes to say, God doesn't just meet you in your need. He lives there. Amen. 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 Wow. Man, bro, I'll cry. I'll cry like a little girl. <laughs> this whole podcast. Bro, this has been <laughs> so rich. This is, uh, this isn't just for those of you watching and listening. Uh, what you hear from Eric on here is not just because it's on a camera. Every time I, I sit with you, it's like this. We end up in tears. We end up, and no matter where we are, even in public, the Lord just lands. And so guys, do what you can to come be in this room and listen to him in January. But Eric, we love you. I, I know that this, that God is, I can feel it. I, I feel it so strongly. The Lord is really going to use this podcast to touch many of you leaders. And again, if you'd like to get this every week, go and sign up uh, for Eric's uh, mentorship program. I can tell you it's it's a beautiful, beautiful community and thing you guys are building. So we love you guys. Give your family uh, our love and we'll see you in January.